Hi, everybody. This is Lee. I'm here with Jerry, Bob, and Duke. We're foursome today. The fearsome foursome. And uh, we are, are One New Man Ministries. We're an Ephesians 2 ministry, a ministry of reconciliation, reconciling Messianic Jews and Messianic Gentiles, all believers in Yeshua HaMeshach. That's Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. For Ephesians 2 says, for 2.10, for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life, because we are being built together, in him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. So, Jerry, what are we talking about today? Lee, we've got uh, the uh, last part of Deuteronomy. We've got a little bit of Joshua 1. We have some uh, Gospel of John. I want to say good morning to you and Bob and everybody who's listening. Hello, Duke. Uh, it's uh, the last days of uh, Sukkot and uh, Simchat Torah. Uh, which we have uh, touched on briefly in the past. So uh, we we are uh, at that place where we uh, end the Torah cycle with Deuteronomy 33 and 34, and we begin the Torah cycle uh, with a little bit of Genesis 1. So there's all kinds of scripture going on, uh, but we want to uh, just recognize that Simchat Torah, this this end of the cycle, beginning of the cycle, uh, recognizes the eternal nature of God's word, uh, that uh, it never grows old. Uh, simchat is uh, joy, and we want to uh, understand that we rejoice in God's law. Uh, yes, it's true that we are not under law, but under grace, uh, but the law is the reflection of God's moral perfection. And uh, as such, it, we look at it and, and we see a reflection of God, and it gives us delight and joy. So uh, the, uh, the, the verse that, uh, that Jewish people uh, kind of pull out of uh, Moses to uh, kind of give us this, this joy over, over what God has done is in chapter 33. Uh, it says this, I'm again reading from uh, the uh, English Standard Version, uh, but 33.3 says, Yes, he loved his people, Israel. All his holy ones were in his hand, so they followed in your steps, receiving direction from you. And this verse in particular, then, is all about our joy in, in, as, as uh, Jewish people, uh, our joy in, in Torah. When Moses commanded us a law, as a possession for the assembly of Jacob. This is our possession. This is our inheritance. And so we rejoice in this beautiful law that God has given to us. So there's there's a, a lot of simcha, a lot of joy uh, among the, uh, the, the, the mishpocha, the family, uh, at this time of year, because this is this is the thing that, that God has given to us. This is our inheritance, our possession. So, um, not sure where we want to jump off. Uh, chapter 33 of uh, Deuteronomy 
is uh, Moses' blessing over the children of Israel. And Lee, you had some really interesting things to, to say, I thought, uh, when, when you were talking about, uh, thinking about this as a story and kind of picturing the, these last few uh, hours in Moses' life. Uh, I think you were talking about how Moses walked through the camp with Aaron, with uh, Joshua and Eliezer at his side. You want to kind of review that? Because I really thought that was beautiful. Well, I thought uh, before I'd share that, Bob had wanted to sort of get set the scene, as it were, for here Here we are at the end of the Torah, and uh, they're standing on the, the uh, promise, on the bank of the Jericho, I mean, on the bank of the Jordan River across from Jericho, ready to enter the promised land, and there's this transition of leadership and handoff of power as it were or leadership mm -hmm. and so why don't you share with us what you want to say about that bob sure i'll be glad to uh what i like about moses's life is that he has a very interesting one i think you know he was born uh, um and lived his first 40 years of life in, in, a, in a palace you know in a king's place in egypt and 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 those 40 years of course he learned about the many cultures it was it was and and then he you know he killed a, a Roman soldier so he was exiled and he flees and he flees to Midian and he stays there for the next forty years and and leaving a palace and then going to a desert like that his standard of living drops significantly he has a couple kids he gets married and then he's called and and the end of those forty years he's right at eighty years old God calls him from the burning bush and say you know this is what your mission is. Uh, Moses. So Moses goes back to Israel and and he takes Israel and and frees the slaves and walks and through the Exodus walks out through the desert, and then of course the, the Israel's disobedient. So now they're they're in the desert for for forty years. So he, we're talking now. He's at one hundred and twenty years old. The first forty years in palace. Four, next forty years, he um he he's he's where he is at, at uh, in, in the land of Midian. Then the last 40 years, he's in the desert. So he's written five books, and he's he's getting ready to, to, to leave the earth. God, the Lord's getting ready to take him, and he hands off to Joshua. And I think this is very significant because God allows him to see the land that's been promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob 700 years before. So we're at that scene right now when he's overlooking the promised land and, and, and the side of Jericho, and, and he relays all the boundaries of the promised land God does to, to Moses they're about to take. So take it away, Jerry. So, uh, I'll, Jerry, I was going to share what you wanted me to share and uh, my thoughts on the the blessing of the happiness of Torah, Simchat Torah. And I, I've been reading the Torahs. We've been studying it both as divine revelation and, and as a storyline. And, you know, as a storyline, when you're writing a story, it's so hard to write a good ending. And it's also very revealing of the intention of the author. And because this story is written by the great I Am, it is written perfectly. So the story ends with Moses at 120 years and the and and Deuteronomy says he's undiminished in strength, walking down the road with Joshua and Eleazar, that's Aaron's son, the the high priest, past the Israelites who like in a, on a parade, 
uh, you know, who are arranged by tribes, and he's being acknowledged by them as the great leader who he has been to them. And they're grieving the departure of their great leader. And as he passes by, Moses bestows his unique blessings and instructions upon each of the tribes. He then continues to the mountaintop alone where God Almighty shows Moses the land of promises, which Moses won't enter because of his previous sin. And then Moses departs the story alone and the location of his, uh, his uh, burial site remains unknown until this day. Now, we as followers of Yeshua and the New Covenant, we're lucky enough to know and have the blessing of meeting Moses later in the story at the Mount of Transfiguration, where he's in the presence of the light and power of Yeshua. So Moses, who saw the backside of God, and he also sees a blazing light of Yeshua. Our great leader Moses departs, and as he departs, he passes on the responsibility of leadership and obedience to Joshua, who is described as having Ruach Hochmah, the spirit of wisdom. Amen. Yes, amen. That, that, that really is is a is a beautiful thing to think about Moses uh, in Exodus 34 being hidden in the cleft of the rock, and then Moses in whatever those chapters are exactly in the Gospels, the Transfiguration, Moses there face to face uh, with Yeshua, uh, just a, a, a lovely, lovely idea that uh, the one who had to be hidden now is able to observe. The great I am face to face. Just such a good insight, Lee. Well, you know, the uh, the last verses of Deuteronomy describe Moses this way, and this is Deuteronomy thirty-four, starting at verse ten. And there has not risen a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land and in all the mighty hand and in all the great terror which Moses wrought in the sight of all Israel. Pretty, pretty powerful stuff, yeah, for sure. What I, what I like uh, in the picture that you are painting and also what Bob contributed is this idea of, of uh, passing the torch. There's this obvious uh, leadership issue, but in a way it also symbolizes the repeated command to teach the children. That this is, this is something that needs to be passed from generation to generation. So we have generational leadership, perhaps, Moses and Joshua, but even in that, it pictures how as parents, we are to teach our children, how as the community, the elders teach the younger, uh, all these things, that this is, this is an issue of transmission, right? Uh, that we, we're continually called to transmit uh, God's great truths, God's, the, the, the story of, of our history with God, you know, 
look how many times uh, we're called throughout the Old Covenant to remember that it is our God who brought us out of Egypt uh, to the land of promise. Remember this, and now as a result of that historic interaction of, of our people with God, we're called upon to be these kinds of people who only have uh, Hashem, uh, the Lord, for our God. Uh, we uh, want to abandon and completely uh, reject, destroy all the other gods and their ungodly influence in our lives. So there's there's the, the ongoing uh, transmission that of, of that great story uh, from, from ourselves to our children, from this generation of leaders, to the next generation of leaders. It's kind of interesting for me, quite honestly, uh, because I've been uh, a Christian uh, walking with, with the Lord for a little bit over 50 years. And the people who were the leaders when I was a young person, uh, many of them have died. Some are now at that place where they are uh, retiring, let's say, and I, I can see there is a generation of young leaders that is coming up uh, and, and just observing that, that praise God, he, he, uh, he is faithful to the body to continue to provide leaders. Uh, as he says in uh, Ephesians, uh, the Lord gives the, these gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, etc., that this is part of God's ongoing care for the believing community, that as one generation of leaders grows old and dies, uh, God, through a variety of means uh, at a practical level, I'm sure that uh, leaders have young people, as Moses did with Joshua, to mentor them, to train them, to... Uh, here, here's what it says about Joshua. At least in the ESV, it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, which you've already touched on. But then this, it says, because Moses had laid his hands on him. Hmm. So that there's the, we, we read in the story, of course, how, how Joshua is, is his aide de camp. I think that's a military term, right, for, for the general's right-hand guy. Uh, he, he is there with Moses through all, so many of the, the trials and, and troubles and he stands with Moses and he goes up the mountain with Moses. And so uh, there's, there's that transmission of, of Moses' authority and Moses' wisdom to Joshua. And so, you know, we see that taking place, I think, in the generation of people that we live among, that there are leaders that we recognize. These are great men and women of God, uh, but they're not going to be forever with us and that God is faithful through their ministries and other ministries to raise up uh, other leaders for us. Uh, also, praise God according to his grace, uh, who also demonstrate the spirit of wisdom. It's just hey, a really, really great provision. Hey, Jerry. Yeah. yeah I just like to just interject here that, you know, like you were saying, that God grooms the, the next generation to serve him. You know what I mean? And I think that's what he did with Joshua. You know, when Joshua was, was a, was a uh, Jewish slave in Egypt, he saw all the ten, ten plagues. He walked through uh, the departing of the Red Sea. He walked through that. He saw the manna. He saw the 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 the, uh, the, the pillar of, of the cloud and the pillar of fire. 
And then, he, of course, he saw he saw obedience when, when Israel was obedient, and he, and he witnessed disobedience when Israel was disobedient. So I think God, like you said, Jerry, he, he was grooming Joshua the whole time to go into this promised land. And what he says on the, in the first paragraph that, you know, that don't be scared. Don't, don't, I will not right. leave you or forsake you. And, and because that, that, that all that Joshua has been through this last, you know, 80 years with, with, um, with Moses, he saw everything. So, you know, he's still, you know, he, he's still human and God's still reinforcing that he's still with them. So he's going to see more miracles to come. Yeah. You, oh, you want to say something? No, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's it's amazing to me that uh, not only can you see God as the of course Genesis shows you that God is the architect of life itself, but He is absolutely the architect of cultural development and developing this culture, developing <laughs> these people. He calls His people. So mankind outside of His people, they're doing whatever. But there's still the benefits, beneficiaries of God being the architect and creator. However, his people are getting the intimacy of God, not just as an architect and a creator, but also a father, being intimate and instructing. So, um, Jerry, I think uh, that your point about leadership being passed on is really about the spirit because... You know, when we're when we are walking in our own power, our own self-reliance, we're doing really not anything a benefit to the kingdom. It's when we walk in the spirit, and the spirit is a process of ongoing creation. It's not a moment in time where the spirit appears and. Cre- you know, that God, the creator, through the spirit, creates the universe at one moment and that the process of creation stops in. The process of creation and, and the flow of the spirit is, is omnipresent. You know, we, we can't even see time the way that God sees time. We experience time from the past through the present you know, to, to the future, and we live life from birth to death, but that is not, you know, the way that the Creator and the Spirit, which are the great I Am in the, in the, in the, what, the eternal now, is, is really the Spirit is ongoing. The, you know, God is the ongoing source of creation through the Spirit, and which is why it's such a perfect ending in the Torah that when it ends, it goes in the same portion. That's today when we read the last verses in Deuteronomy in the Torah, immediately it turns back to in the beginning mm-hmm. because this is the ongoing process of creation through the Spirit, you know, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful, it's a perfect ending, as only the great I Am could rate it. Amen. Well, you know, and as you were talking about that cycle, we are going from, oh no, Moses died to, in the beginning, God, right? 
So, so while we, we mourn the loss of a great leader, we rejoice in, in God, who is the eternal one. And uh, we can never lose him or be lost by him. Uh, <clears throat> so you're 100% you're, you're right. There, there's this, this great uh, process that is always ongoing because God is, is always at work in his creation to bring about new creation, recreation. And that's what we're, we're ultimately headed for is uh, the new heavens and new earth uh, when God uh, completes the reconciling work that he's begun in Yeshua where it says uh, God is in Messiah reconciling all things to himself, right? So, so that picture of Moses dying is, is uh, replaced in our Torah reading by the picture of God creating. Wow. And you know, and Jerry, I was, uh, I was struck by the difference between the description of Ruach, the spirit, at the end when it says that Joshua had the Ruach Chochmah, the spirit of wisdom. And how did he have the spirit of wisdom? As Bob said, he had observed obedience, disobedience. He had observed the power of the mighty hand of God. He had you know, received the commandments and the law and had walked through all of God's miracles in the desert. And so he had discern, he had knowledge and discernment and wisdom. And at the end, you know, of the story, when it goes into the Haftor, which is Joshua 1, and God says, be bold and courageous three times in Joshua 1. When you go into the land to conquer it, be bold and courageous because he has to be bold and courageous to walk in faith knowing that the that God will fulfill his promise and give this land to the Israelites, but also knowing that he and the Israelites have to walk out this path of obedience to a higher morality, to a holy life, you know, and that does take courage when you stand in the temptations of immorality and you know the, the 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 you know all the world around them that they're getting ready to go into. So mm -hmm. it's really you know you know this distillation, and then it goes back to the creation when it, when the spirit was hovering over the void, you know, when it was you know darkness, you know, and it, and and then it says let there be light, and it's like. The, the happiness of Torah is the revelation of light that is, you know, finally distilled in the spirit of wisdom that's passed on to Joshua and through Joshua and through the Torah to us. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that even in the book of John, it starts with in the beginning. It follows that same you clearly see after thousands of years that same continuity in John chapter 1 where you know it says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and darkness comprehended it not it takes you back to that uh, and you can even see how uh, when he said he came to his own his own and his own knew him not you know where 
even though the people strayed off into their own world, even through oppression uh, from Roman culture and all the different influences, that the, the that the architect, the creator, never forgot, never strayed, never got distracted, <laughs> so that people could still uh, receive that joy and uh, re- reconciliation through Yeshua. I, I think that, like... The fact that our creator, our God, is always mindful of us, despite our ability to stray off, uh, is absolutely profound. And you can see that continuity from this all the way into the New Testament. Even today. (laughs) Even today. (laughs) Yes. Um, The uh, interesting thing about... The beginning of Joshua is that it really harks back to Deuteronomy 31, and this kind of goes to what we were talking about already—the transmission of of leadership. Uh, because uh, Moses does this in Deuteronomy 31 in the sight of all Israel, he says to Joshua, "Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that Hashem, the Lord, has sworn to their fathers." So. Uh, when we get to Joshua 1, uh, this is now the Lord giving Joshua the same command which Moses placed upon him. And this is what Deuteronomy 34 is talking about, that uh, Joshua was able to take these things and have the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. This chapter 31 is really that that laying on of hands, if you will, the the designation, I am transferring my mantle of leadership to you. You're going to be the one to lead, there's that word, lead the people into Israel. And you think about Joshua, the one thing we haven't said about Joshua in all the other things that we did say was, remember, he was one of the spies, one of only two, who said, we need to go up and take the land because Adonai, our God, is on our side. And it doesn't matter how big the people are there. Uh, our God's bigger, right? That, that was his his thing. And I think what we're talking about then is what sets Joshua apart is he is a man of faith. Amen. Yeah. He is a man of faith. He And what we've talked about faith, that he is a man who has put his trust in Adonai, in Adonai's words. What Adonai said he will do, he will do. We can take it to the bank, right? And so he is... He's learned from Moses, of course, but he had to have that internal, personal faith himself to be in the position to have leadership mantle placed on him, right? Right. And you know what, Jerry, I think uh, Joshua realizes that God works through nature. You know, he showed Joshua earlier how he delivered the Israelites, how he did all these things, and I think he's expecting... For God to do the same thing when He enters the Promised Land, and God does. You know, one time it gets and it goes against the army, and He sends hornets. Another time He sends hailstones. So I, you know, one time He asked the sun to stand still. Yes, right. Yes. So uh, He's Joshua and the people of Israel is are about to see some fantastic things, and one of the things I think uh, what uh, you know illustrates a good leader is in uh, Joshua one. 16 and it said they answered joshua everything you have commanded us we will do and everywhere you send us we will go so they're standing united behind joshua and of course joshua is submissive to god so i think it's going to be some interesting reading at this point 
I, I think that uh, one, one of the things that I'm seeing is what, uh, what, what God can do with a willing soul. It doesn't have to be the, the smartest, doesn't have to be the strongest, but a willing soul, a committed soul, what he's capable to do with that soul uh, is far greater than what um, the people will allow themselves to see in someone who is high in stature or high, in, you know, whether they're tall and strong like Saul or a king with money. What God can do with a willing soul that puts his trust in, the, in him someone who is absolutely convinced that he is God, God's able to perform. And when that reassurance that it gives that leader, that it gives Joshua is the ability to ask for the supernatural or the ridiculous, because like this, this is where it makes sense in Joshua's mind where it's like, if we're going to ask anything, let us ask from the Lord. Let us, can you make the sun stand still? Can you do this? Can you, you know, will you, and you just trust God. So that becomes Joshua's nature, that reassurance that if we obey God and we're willing, and then it becomes a format for others to follow. And now you, you see this development of the culture, a culture of people who are obedient to God. And Amen. what's and, and that's where you can see that's that nation that God's really creating is a culture of people that that trust and obey God. Good point. Amen. You know, in in, in Joshua one it says it says in the first verse it says that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, and then in verse 5 it says, There shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For thou shalt cause this people to inherit the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. So what you're saying, Duke, is that his faith is based on his trust in the Lord, and his trust in the Lord is based on that he knows God is a promise keeper, and because of his faith and his trust in the Lord, he wants to be obedient with all of his heart. And that is the formula of faith and obedience. And that, you know, he's a perfect example of that. And in the end of his life, what is he saying then to Joshua? As for me yeah, and my yeah. family, yeah. we will serve the Lord our God. Yeah. And let's keep in mind, if we jump all the way to the end of Joshua like that, that uh, Israel was, I mean, Duke, you talk about developing this culture. Uh, the fact of, of our Jewish history is that uh, we have had a very hard time going after and staying committed to the one true God. Mm -hmm. And while we talk about setting a, a culture to be obedient and faithful, in reality, uh, <clears throat> <laughs> we, we didn't achieve that because uh, ultimately God exiled us from the land. Right. Uh, and and if, we, if, if Joshua had been able to create that culture, he wouldn't have needed to make that famous speech at the end of Joshua, right? But the problem is they continued to serve the gods of the nations and to go after other gods. And, you know, as New Testament believers, uh, 
we can see that although they are the called and elect nation of God, that without the spirit in them, as we now have, uh, the temptations to give in to the flesh, to go after other gods, uh, become greater than what we can resist because we don't have, we didn't have the strength in our own selves. As New Testament followers, uh, the Holy Spirit's put within us, uh, we not only know what's wrong, but we actually have the power to resist and to stand up for the right. That makes sense? Yeah. Good, good, good point, Jerry. And, you know, what's interesting about that is that when you look at, you know, being that he gave the first five uh, books to Moses, he also gives Moses this insight with Abraham that the covenant was made with himself, that he puts Abraham to sleep and he makes the covenant with himself. So it's almost like uh, God has was even in his genius has always been prepared for uh even the nation he was developing, his ability, their ability to stray off. Because we have to remember, the the original man, Adam and Eve, they technically strayed off the same way. So here you have God with this. It's it's not an obsession. He's I think he's totally confident in his ability to create a perfect world. So that's what we're really connecting to is that God is saying, I, I'm not confused. I know that this that sin has come into the world. I know that there's pagan cultures, but I know what I'm capable of. And so anyone that's a recipient of that, they, they, they it may not be a perfect world. You may not have a perfect family. You may not have perfect kids. However, we do serve a perfect God. And that consistency is what we're really genuinely connecting to, even even. If and it's almost like God saying, if I if I build this nation and they stray off, you know, I'm going to keep my integrity as the promise keeper. I'm going to keep my integrity as the creator. Uh, and so I think it's interesting that He's always made Himself available, even with our inconsistencies. Well, if He didn't, He would be unavailable all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Our, our, our it's very true. Permanent. I mean, everything that exists in the universe is because of God's grace. And our life in him is God's grace. And his dedication to keep his covenant is a reflection of his character, but it's grace. You know, we, we talked about the name of God last week, Adonai, Adonai, gracious and compassionate, right? Right. So, so the... Uh, thing about Joshua is, is that he is carrying on this this uh, leadership role, this mediator role, but it's, it's going to be a different role than what Moses was. Uh, we, we don't see Joshua at the tabernacle in the same way that we saw Moses at the tabernacle. We definitely don't get uh, new revelation uh, to Joshua in the way that we did uh of, of uh, God giving to Moses the Ten Commandments and the and the whole law, but it is a leadership that is is framed for the time that Joshua uh, is the leader. Right, that now you're going in to to to, to, to take the land. We need uh, somebody who will will uh, be a military leader. But 
in front of the military leadership is what God gives him as the key to his success, right? And I don't know if you want to jump right into Joshua 1 or anything you want to conclude with um, Deuteronomy 33 and 34, uh, any part of the, the blessing. But uh, I, I want to give you a chance to, to maybe bring out uh, anything in there that you wanted to talk about. Um, in chapter 33, though, when we get to the end, there are those famous verses that maybe you you quote yourself to yourself when you need some comfort. Uh, but these these wonderful words, the eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. What a what a wonderful picture of God's presence, His eternal care for us, uh, the 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 strength of God to to shelter us in our weakness. Uh, that when we stumble, we cannot fall because underneath are the everlasting arms. I just love those those verses. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that is that just the, you know, one of the reasons that some people are discouraged is because of the, the fear of just the unknown, right? Just the vulnerability of being human. And to to you know make a statement like that is so comforting because it's almost like he's also prepared for the internal battle of of trying to exist in uh, a broken world that the only true way to get through day-to-day uh, -to -day lives and the challenges that we face is in relationship and covenant with him uh, and if people were to truly be honest the, the, the most people do live with that void when they don't know him they don't have them and so you can totally see why the people of god have an advantage because they have that assurance because they have that relationship and joy which by the time we do get to christ you can see why there's this passion to go all into all of the earth and and tell them the good news because if the majority of the world was living without this assurance, this relationship, and this comfort, of course the world was a dark and scary place to be. You know, uh, I think, you know, it's important, again, to point out the, the genius of Torah is that not just as it ends at 34 but this Parsha for this week goes back to the beginning and in the beginning there was void right there was darkness and God what did God say he said let there be light God is a God of boundaries and he divides darkness and light and he saw that it was good and then all of Torah you know, Jerry pointed out along the way how Israel is meant to be a light unto the nations, you know, and how the law is meant to be a light unto the people, how to live, you know. So not only did he, you know, create light and divide it from darkness, but he is taking us, which is void and unformed and, you know, sort of full of darkness, and he is showing us the light through Torah, through the happiness of Torah and, and how, you know, and he saw that it was good, you know. So, you know, we're all works in progress and that's why we all need salvation. Amen. Good Amen. Good. 
objective. Yeah, I, I, I think that that picture of light and dark at the beginning uh, is, is so profound uh, that uh, John uh, picks it up from the very beginning of the Gospel of John. And if you trace, uh, you know, it, it says, Duke already talked about in the beginning was the word, but it goes on in the next verses to say, uh, it, in him was life and the life was the light of men. And then uh, the darkness could not comprehend it in some, some versions. Uh, others say the darkness could not overcome it. Uh, I like overcoming better, actually. The darkness could not overcome the light. Uh, even in the darkest room, the smallest light, the darkness goes away, right? And so the theme of light and dark plays out all the way through the Gospel of John and also through the, the, the first letter of John as well. There are, is the community of light and the community of darkness. Remember that great line uh, when, when Judas goes out uh, in John, he says, and it was night, you know, just this, this, this powerful impact of, of the, the conflict that's taking place between light and dark, as you say, Lee, the boundary. Think of the boundary of light and dark that existed in Egypt when one of the plagues was darkness. Mm -hmm. And in the land where the Israelites were living, in the land of Goshen, that was not the case. Imagine what that must have been like. Uh, <laughs> You know, you, you're, you're walking and one step you're in the light and then one step total blackness, you can't see your hand in front of your face. That must have been a pretty amazing uh, spot to be standing, right? You know, some of those those uh, tourist pictures like from the four corners uh, in the United States where you could stand uh, and be in four states at one time. Uh, here you are, light and dark, this, this extraordinary hard boundary between what God is is approving blessing and what God is cursing, right? Wow. This must have been just an amazing, amazing point. Uh, and you know, that, that goes back to what we read earlier in Deuteronomy where, you know, God makes it very clear. He says, I am putting before you life and good or death and evil, yeah. choose life. You know, right. And this is the same thing as light and darkness. And, and, and what is he saying? He's saying, choose life. What is life? Life is Yeshua HaMashiach. He is the, the life that overcame death. He it is the way to eternal life. And, and God has provided the way for us to have life through faith. By grace, we have been saved through faith. And what's and interesting about you saying that, what's so powerful about you saying that is, you know, when you look at the contrast of light and darkness, you know, it's also in this, this concept of strength and weakness. So if you offend me, if you offend me, well, what's the light and darkness precept of that? So I choose it where it might look weaker, but I choose forgiveness, even though you offend me. Or uh, so where I could choose wrath. You know, if we follow the continuity of how do I bring life out of this situation? And that can only be done by 
having the instructions and precepts and relationship with Yeshua because in a way it's almost like if you don't have that then you are part of that community of darkness and you don't even know it so it's like if you offend me I offend you I get you back and that's kind of like the promotion of of of, of death uh, because you're talking about destruction you're talking about divide you know you where this the the strength because obviously god being the first one to be offended the first one to be betrayed the first one to carry grief (laughs) from us uh he's also shown his strength to love us through that and so he gives us the opportunity to communicate that same thing because he's he's experienced it himself and i think sometimes we forget that wow god you you actually know more than any of us how we feel about this divide of light and darkness inside of ourselves because he's the first one to be betrayed by it you know mm. uh, and so uh this 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 when you look at him giving us that choice to choose life it's not just like choose life in the con- like in the continuum of breathing but find a way choose life in your precept choose life that brings light even in conflict how do we bring life so so we know that god is not a like a a, a fan of destruction he's a, in a he's he's the it's, it's it's interesting how the light and the life will just take the territory of the community of darkness or the precepts of darkness as well yeah, I, I think we have to realize that when we say to choose life, what we're really talking about is choosing God, choosing uh, his character, choosing his word, choosing his ways, and that these are uh, ways of life. Uh, I love, uh, when, when Proverbs talks about Torah, uh, its ways are ways of pleasantness and all its paths are peace, right? That this, this is choosing life. Uh, the beginning of wisdom, right? We talked about having the spirit of wisdom. Proverbs says uh, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So, so that in all of these, these, these phrases that we're using, what we're really talking about all the time is, hey, God is the creator of all. God has set the world in such a way to operate best in such a way and for you to have the richest life that God intends you to have as an image bearer of God is for you to fall in behind God and follow his ways, right? His ways are known because he's spoken to us and he's given the revelation in his words through his, you know, we, we, we know his, his words, uh, we watch his activity in history, we know his ways. Jesus, of course, comes and says ultimately about himself, I am the way. You know, and, and there's this, this business about walking in the way we, we've talked about at the beginning of, of Psalms and Psalm 1, to walk in God's way. This is the path of life. And I guess this is a good good place to go into the beginning of Joshua. We've already talked about the be strong and courageous part. But notice uh, in verse 7, he says, only be strong and very courageous. There's the repeat. And now, you know, from Joshua's standpoint, I heard this when I was back there while Moses was still alive from Moses. Now I'm hearing it directly from Hashem, right? Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you, right? How do I, how do I be strong and courageous? By acting out of uh, living within 
the boundaries and the instructions given in Torah. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This is basically, if you think about it, don't turn from the right or the left. I am showing you the way. In some sense, I guess we could say the way is paved with the law of God. Good right? Yes. Don't go left. Don't go right. Just say right on the way, which is outlined for you by the law. Don't turn from the left or the right that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of Torah, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. And this word meditate, notice it says it doesn't depart from your mouth. What he's talking about here is having the scripture in our mouths, that we are actually saying the scripture. We're not just even thinking it silently, although, you know, certain places, I guess that would be a more appropriate way to go. But the meditating is this repeating the word of God to ourselves, uh, dwelling on it, allowing even under Old Testament times, the spirit is interacting with his word so that as I am reflecting on this word, as I'm saying it to myself, and, you know, there's something about the interaction of our senses that reinforces what we're doing. And this is a, a, a well-known uh, statement about our, our psychology and the way we're put together, that the more senses uh, that you involve in a task, the better you learn the task. So here he is. He's saying, don't just think the word, but involve your mouth, because then by involving your mouth, that's one sense. But you're also involving your hearing. That's another sense. And over all of that, the Spirit is bringing understanding and wisdom. Meditate in that way. Don't let it depart from your mouth, but meditate on it so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. There is that same phrase that we just saw a little bit of a, a, a couple of verses back. So you'll be careful to do what's written. So obviously being careful to do what's written is an important concept. It's repeated. How do we be careful to do? Well, one of the things is we have to have it as such a rich part of our lives that we even know what it is at any given moment to be able to do it, right? So this is, this is the path to godly success by having God's word, by having it in our mouths that we are speaking it to ourselves. And as, as new covenant believers, we have the added blessing of the indwelling spirit who, you know, that beautiful prayer uh, teaching of Jesus in John, uh, chapters 14 and 16 about the role of the Holy Spirit. How uh, when He comes, He will guide you into all truth. He'll take what is mine and He'll make it known to you. Uh, that is what the Spirit does in us. The the the, the Paraclete, uh, the one who comes alongside, is is the Greek word, and He comes alongside to make Yeshua more known to us. Right. So so that as we do this as New Covenant believers, we have the added benefit of the indwelling Holy Spirit, taking that word that we're meditating on, that we're, we're repeating to ourselves, uh, that we are then also, one hopes, uh, we're, we're trying to live out what we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So here's the word that I'm saying to myself that I'm also saying, okay, Lord, 
Now let your will be done in my life through this. That's how I'm being careful to do the word, right? So in all of these things that we are, we're, 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 we're focused on the word. Uh, we're trusting the Holy Spirit to, to uh, teach us through the word and then to guide us to be careful to do the word. Um, what, what does James say? Uh, don't be hearers only, but be doers of the word, right? And so that's, that's <laughs> you know, you look at a passage like this and you realize that James didn't come up with that on his own, right? <laughs> But this, this, this is God's instruction all the way through. There, there's, there, there's just this, this repeated uh, refrain of here's my word, hear it, speak it, do it, right? Be careful to do according, then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened, don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, you know, I th- I think about the the this, the concept of how you know uh, being careful automatically makes you strong and courageous because you're paying attention to details and really what you're being confident in is is competence. You 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 when you're careful, you're being competent and you're cherishing the, the you know the word of God, and so you're going to get the benefits of that because you're not handling it. As if it's just a perspective or opinion, but you're you're acknowledging the how precious it is. Just like the disciples said, "Where would we go? You have the words of life." And so, the 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 full of care. When we say be careful. I'm thinking like, wow, we're being full of care. We're being competent with this awesome gift that we've been given, the instructions and words of life. When we can clearly see what life looks like for people that don't have it that don't have this relationship with Yeshua, that don't have this relationship uh, with God, we can clearly see how cruel and dark the world is. So when we're careful, you know, we're cherishing that and, you know, and being competent, which leads to the confidence. And it's not in ourselves, but in, in who he is. You know, that comes up with a lot of, brings a lot of memory to, to me. It's, you know, you walk by faith and not by sight. You know, man? <laughs> I mean, that's a simple verse, but how, how difficult can it be sometimes? You know what I mean, Jerry? Yeah, Lee. And I, and I think, you know, Bob, that's a good segue into the progression of revelation that we see in the Bible. Because if you think in the beginning, you know, the, the spirit, you know, there was void and darkness. And, you know, God, the creator, through the spirit, through the ruach, he creates what is called, you know, creation, and, 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 and it's, you know, known sort of theologically as the general revelation, which is that, you know, everyone is privy to see the miracle of the creator in creation, but then we're given the special revelation, which is the word of God, the law of God through the Torah, and then we're told to trust and obey and to walk in obedience and then we're finally given through Yeshua we're given the indwelling Holy Spirit in our hearts and you know we're giving the the what he calls the rivers of living water and he says now this is about the spirit which believers in him were to receive and that's our new covenant passage that the messianic bible study group has put with 
this week's Parsha, which is the end of the Torah and the beginning in the in the beginning and first Joshua. And I, I think it's beautiful because it's from John chapter seven. And it's very important to say there that John chapter seven in verse two says, now the Jewish festival of booths was near. So that's Sukkot. So it's right at this time of the year. And then it goes on to uh, 737. He says, on the last day of the festival of booths, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, Jesus cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit which believers in him were to receive. For as yet there was no spirit because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so we receive the Holy Spirit because our Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach, asked the Father after he conquers death through the cross and is resurrected to send the Holy Spirit to dwell in the heart of believers. And it's out of the heart of believers shall flow rivers of living water. That's the healing and the loving spirit. And God has taken it from a spirit who created something out of nothing through a spirit of wisdom who's given us the wisdom, uh, knowledge and discernment of the law and what, how to be holy, a holy people, uh, to live with a holy God, try to be a holy people living with a holy God. Now the indwelling Holy Spirit to have rivers of living water in our heart. Wow. Beautiful. Yes, Beautiful. it is. Good point, Lee. I like what you said. I don't know if you said it uh, here, Lee, but in a previous discussion, uh, talking about how God in the beginning uh, took uh, control of chaos and brought order. Um, uh, the, 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 the world was void and formless and, and uh, was chaotic. And you, you likened that to uh, God's uh, work in our own lives before we came to the faith in Yeshua, that the Spirit comes and in the same way darkness reigned, he said, let there be light. And he took what was void and formless and he gave us life and shape and order. I really, really liked how you said that. God is a God of order. Mm -hmm. This passage in, uh, in John chapter 7 um, is, is just so, so remarkable. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's a, a toss back to uh, Ezekiel's comment about... Uh, how God is going to bring uh, life and water and new hearts and the spirit uh, to to his people. And Jesus picks up that theme of uh, living waters from Ezekiel. I'm reminded though, as we think about how we relate to the Holy Spirit, uh, Paul says, don't quench the spirit. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting uh, choice of verbs in light of this passage, which compares the Holy Spirit to living water. And so, you know, you've maybe been to places where there have been dry riverbeds, 
that uh, for a variety of environmental circumstances, the, the riverbed is, has dried up, there's no water. And uh, we, according to Paul, can kind of put ourselves in that same position of, of drying up the river of living water uh, in our own, uh, in, our, in our lives as we uh, choose to go our own way, uh, as we choose to uh, satisfy our, our fleshly indulgences for anger or greed or envy or bitterness or immorality, what have you, uh, that these are all things that quench the spirit and dry up that river of living water. So we want to we want to encourage ourselves, encourage our listeners, uh, if you know the Lord and you know the Holy Spirit uh, at work in your life, uh, we've been talking about Joshua's method of success was uh, walking in the way and, and keeping the commandments of God, and that has not changed uh, for us. We are still called through the Holy Spirit to, to follow uh, the commands of the Lord. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I command. And so um, what, we, what we do when we respond to Jesus' command, so is, is not out of a sense of fear, but out of a sense of love. He loved me, and of course I want to do the things that please him. So we want to encourage ourselves to, to walk in God's ways by knowing God's word, by meditating on it, by saying it to ourselves and asking the Holy Spirit to, to bring us to deeper truth and understanding, and also to make us not only hearers of God's word, but doers as well. All right, well, Folks, we're just about out of time. Uh, it goes by so quickly, but we want to uh, take this last minute or two to uh, have you really reflect and interact with, with what we've talked about, that the Word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides all the way down to the, the, the soul and the spirit. Is God's Word inspecting you? Do you feel like God is suggesting, is calling, is is just really at you about sin and about getting right with God. We want to invite you, if that's what you're feeling, <clears throat> if you're understanding that you're separated from God because of ungodly choices and you would like to be made right with God, uh, we are <clears throat> going to ask you to pray this prayer along with us, uh, inviting God to save you and uh, confessing your sins and receiving the Holy Spirit. So if this is where you are now, uh, would you just please pray along with me? Father in heaven, I recognize that I have gone astray. I have done things that are displeasing. I have sinned. I realize from your word there is nothing I can do to fix that. But I also see in your word that you sent your son Yeshua to be the payment for the things that I have done wrong, for the sins that I've committed. And I ask you now that you would apply blood of Jesus as the payment for my sins. Lord Jesus Christ, I acknowledge that you are my savior. And I thank you for paying for my sins. And I thank you that you send your Holy Spirit into my life and Holy Spirit, I ask you now to take this first step and turn it into a lifelong journey of walking with you. Help me to follow in all of God's ways that I may be pleasing. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. If you prayed that, would you let us know? We're One New Man Ministries International on Facebook. Uh, you can catch us on the web at One New Man Ministries. That's the number one, newmanministries.org. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll be back next week. God bless.